So you got a whole uh, alpha team now, don't you? But you, but you have a wealth of knowledge that is beneficial to a lot of people, and it we can move the needle. How often do you hear a hunting podcast? We talked about this. People relate to this. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Kafaru Cast. Uh, just got back from a backpacking trip with uh, with Anders, where uh, we did not freeze to death. It wasn't negative thirty this time, so that was kind of pleasant. But I've got uh, well, one guy I've known for quite a while. The other I haven't known as long, but that's uh, Ryan Gentry and Cole Johnson with Blackhorn Guide Services. What's going on, fellas? What's up, dude? How are you? Well- What's happening? <laughs> uh, not much. I'm good. Actually, there's a lot happening. It's been crazy busy here at the uh, the office. But uh, what about what about you guys? We're um we're up, we're up in Wyoming. Are you you guys in New Mexico, Nevada? Where are you guys at? Tell everybody a little bit about yourselves uh, individually, obviously, and then about uh, Blackhorn. Go ahead, Cole. I'll let you start that one. Yeah. So. I live down here in Southeast New Mexico. Um, I've lived down in this particular part of the state probably for about four years now, but grew up kind of South central, um, just grew up playing sports and everything. Kind of really got into hunting at a young age and always kind of really wanted to get into the guide and outfitting aspect of stuff. And finally we jumped ship and we opened that up this last year. So yeah, I'm full time. I work uh, an oil and gas job. I'm a lease operator down here. And then every chance I get, I'm pretty much guiding hunts or either hunting for myself. Yeah, and then uh, this is Ryan. I'm still active duty Air Force, so I'm stationed up in Nevada currently, but I am born and raised in New Mexico. Cole and I spent a lot of time together back home. Uh, and we, like you said, we were, you know, hunting a lot, guiding, doing stuff. And last year we just decided to kind of do our own thing with the outfitting and team up together and uh, open Blackhorn Guide Service. So it's been uh, it's been a pretty crazy year so far already. Yeah, so... Is for like before getting going with with Blackhorn, uh, and I keep wanting to call it Darkhorn, which is actually <laughs> not good because uh, I think wasn't where it wasn't Darkhorn involved with the drug cartel at one time. Uh, I, that sounds about right. That'd yeah. be our luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know the whole ins and outs of that, but. Uh, yeah, before that, obviously, you guys both uh, hunted quite a bit, uh, and I, you know, I've known Ryan for quite a while. Um, you know, on the the guiding and outfitting, you know, portion of this is every state is different, right? So, like in Arizona, right, you have to have like three toes and a thumb, and maybe a med card, and you can be an outfitter. I think, right? Like Arizona is pretty much open. <laughs> anyone can be an outfitter, you know, you can outfit on public land. There's no limit compared to in other places you have X amount, you know, you'll have one or two outfitters per area in Arizona. I think I'm just bringing up Arizona. Pretty much anybody can do it. Am I wrong about that one? And then two is New Mexico, the same or different. How's that work? I would say New Mexico is even worse. You can maybe have like one toe and one thumb. Like it's, and saying there's probably ugh, maybe a thousand plus outfitters. It all the only minimum is you just have to be a guide for a minimum of three years, and then you can pretty much apply and get an outfitter's license here in the state. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a little more than that. You got to uh, you got to own property for what is it called? Um, well, so there's there's two different portions to it. So in New Mexico, they do have 
like the outfit are set aside. So to get into that part of it, you do have to own land in New Mexico with a value greater of $50,000 or more. And you have to like present your taxes and everything every year for that portion. But to just become like an outfitter, like if you wanted to run hunts on private land, right. you just have to be a guide for a minimum of three years. But then they just tack on more and more if you want to be part of like the 10% pool so where you can get like applicants actually apply through you every year. Yeah. So with that, um, in, in, and I don't know the exact stipulations in, in Arizona, I know like, you know, Colorado, again, you have, and I think Wyoming's the same way each there, each areas are specific for one or two outfitters or whatever. So you don't have a ton of different outfitters in one spot. There's kind of goods and bads. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. I wish New Mexico was like that. Yes. I mean, so it, there's goods and bads with having options. You know, the good thing is you have a lot of options. The bad is it's crowded and, and some of the options may, right. not, may not be good options. Um, you know, Montana is the same way. They're, they're a lot stricter or they used to be a lot stricter as far as, uh, you know, the rules and regulations for outfitters and areas and where camps are, things like that. So one of the things that I would imagine with you guys, especially again, I don't know Cole as well as Ryan, Ryan, you being more known, has this taken off faster than you guys thought it would? Um, you know, again, competition, right? There's a ton of different options out there. Has it gone well, not gone so well? Like talk about that a little bit. Man, it, it, it honestly, it's been kind of humbling to be honest with you. Um, we knew we'd be successful just because, you know, we've, we've guided and, and like, I, like you said, kind of been known and th there's no question that, that we hunt hard and we can get it done, but we never thought it would relate to people we didn't know. Right. Like, um, gaining clientele from just random people and people that hadn't heard of us, I thought would be a struggle. Um, and this year it's, it's honestly, like I said, it's been extremely humbling. The, the, the success we've kind of had so far in, in the draw process. Uh, I'll let Cole talk a little bit more about that one, but, um, yeah, it, 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 I didn't expect what we got this year, to be honest with you. Uh, Cole and I had talked a lot and we're like, man, if we could just get, you know, five or six good hunts and we can pour all of our, our time and quality into those hunts. Cause our whole main thought process when we started the business was quality over quantity. Uh, we don't want to bring clients out and just say, Hey, yeah, you're paying X amount of dollars, but we're just trying to tag you out and move on to the next guy. That's not our goal. That's not, that's not who we are. It's not even how we hunt ourselves. So our, our main goal was quality animals, a quality hunt and a quality experience over everything else. Um, so we were okay with, with kind of starting slow and just letting this kind of progress over the years. Uh, and I think we kind of underestimated our own, um, who we are really. I think, I think we kind of underestimated the amount of people that did pay attention to us and, and were, um, kind of looking, looking our way once, once we kind of went public with starting an outfit. Um, so yeah, I would say I was kind of, I was personally kind of shocked. I'll let Cole tell his side of it, but yeah, I would definitely say it was pretty humbling and like just kind of a shock of how many people reached out that they actually wanted to apply with us, even though it was going to be our first year in business. So we have like a handful of guys that got lucky and they drew that were past guys that I've guided over the last few years. And then we have a bunch of new guys as well that, I mean, we've never met. We don't really know them from Adam. Um, 
so it, it's just been pretty awesome with that part of it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like it's kind of, I'm kind of at a loss of words. I'm pretty excited about this year with everything going on. It, it's kind of nice if you can kind of be pick and choose where if you're tied and, um, you're, you're kind of relying on someone else to build a schedule for you. So it's just really fun this year, actually getting to build everything ourselves and just kind of put people in strategically where we can space it out to where it fits our schedule and we can all take care of them. Like mainly me and Ryan, so we don't have to rely on other people to kind of do stuff for us. So it, it's definitely fun. It's been a learning process though, jumping just from the guiding into now you're the one planning everything and you have to talk with everyone, plan schedules and just see where everything lines up. Yeah. Applying for permits. Just it, It's, I think there's a lot of behind the scenes to outfitting that people don't realize. And it, uh, a learning experience is a, a giant understatement. Um, so, and it's, it's not so much learning, learning the hunting or the guiding or the clients or scheduling. It's learning, you know, the permits, dealing with the forest service, dealing with BLM, dealing with game and fish, uh, making sure, you know, all your I's are dotted, your T's are crossed, you know, whatever you would. And, making sure that, well, I can't just take a guy on a hunt. I've got to make sure that, you know, my entire medical history and uh, first aid and all that is squared away because this is a legitimate business and we have to make sure that we're squared away legally. And that's, that's been our biggest learning process. So with, with yeah, that, I definitely agree with that. we, we kind of skipped over some of this, um, and I should have asked more questions, but what exactly are you guys offering? So, you know, when people hear outfitting, a guide and outfitting, you know, kind of gets lumped together from the, you know, people just getting into, they might want to get an outfitter or a guide. Like I get messaged constantly, hey man, will you guide me on my Montana elk hunt? And I'm like, it doesn't really work that way, <laughs> you know? So, like yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, and, and you can get in trouble, like, and I think I've actually been investigated for what I've been told anyway, for illegal guiding a couple times of Colorado, or if they looked into me because, you know, I can take a buddy, right. But there can't be yeah. a monetary exchange predetermined or something. So like Ryan, if you took me on a hunt or Cole, when we're done, I'd be like, Hey dude, here's 500 bucks, man. I appreciate it technically. And I don't know how every state works. That's a thank you or a gift, not, but that's a slippery slope and you can get in, in, in trouble or you, you know, you, you can get fined or a ticket for that. Um, so what do you guys offer in what states, just one state, multiple states? Do you help people put in for tags? Do you also guide what animals, animals do you guide for all of that stuff? Yeah, so, so we offer everything like for every species just here in New Mexico. Um, we haven't ventured out to any other state. We, we like kick some other work to like Saudi and stuff in Texas that people are really wanting to go hunt Audad. Um, but yeah, so in New Mexico, we guide Barbary. We do deer, elk, coos deer, um, ibex, bighorn, pr pretty much all the main stuff. We don't really mess with the hounds doing anything with bears or lions. We, we will do spot and stock bear hunts, um, but that's an it. But we... We offer like a guided option or an outfitted option. Um, typically though, honestly, with a lot of the guys that we've been having put in with us, they're pretty, they're, they're not new hunters. So like they're wanting to do just a guided option. They don't so, need to stay in some fancy oh, lodge. Oh, we can oh, do a lot of backpack style hunts. Oh, hold on. Uh, go into a much, much deeper definition of what's guided and what's outfitted. So, what so is, every, everybody be, looks a little different. 
Yeah, yeah. So, so out, out in New Mexico, the way the outfitter is structured is the outfitter is the basically business entity. Um, so the outfitter is the, in the, 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 the entity with the, the outfitting license, which is all the property, the tax records, uh, everything through the state of New Mexico, and you set up your outfitter license. Now, that is, that's basically, think of that like the main business, and then you would 1099 a guide. So a guide would basically not technically be employed through the outfitter. They would just be on 1099 and they're going to go guide a hunter. And it's different than kind of Cole and I, uh, where Cole and I are running the outfit yet. We're still guiding. Um, so then basically the outfit is, is that main entity and then it's got guides within it. So like how Cole and I started is we guided for other outfitters. So an, an outfitter would say, Hey, I got, you know, an elk tag in the second September archery hunt. I need a guide to go to this unit and, you know, he'll, he'll call whoever he trusts, you know, people he's hunted with. And then he'll, you know, you'll basically get paid from the outfitter to go guide a hunt and take a client and, you know, whether it be five, seven or 14 days. Uh, and that's kind of how the guiding side of that works. And then the outfitter. So just think of like in New Mexico, the outfitter is the business. And then a guide would be kind of like a contracted employee. If that makes sense. Yeah. So just. Yeah, absolutely. As an example, let's say I draw a, I don't know, whatever, pick some coveted elk tag in New Mexico. So if I want to use, or let's say I'm going to put in for New Mexico and I don't even know what I want to put in for. Do you guys offer the, um, the, do you have the ability or do you offer to help out putting in for the draws? Then once I. Yep. Okay. So you do that. And then once I draw the yep. tag, obviously I would use your service. Explain from that point, I've got the tag in whatever unit. Explain the difference. Cause I, I'm going to get these questions, whether you're guiding right. me or outfitting me to right. go into so a New little Mexico bit more is structured. Okay. So New Mexico is structured with the, um, you know, resident pool, the DIY non-resident pool, and then the uh, guided pool. Uh, so the guided pool is 10%. Um, so if you were to reach out to us prior to the draw and say, Hey, I'm interested in putting in with you guys in your outfit, um, we would put you in and we would use our outfitter number and that would apply you through the 10% outfitter pool. And what that does is so New Mexico is broken up to 84% of tags go to non-residents or go to residents, my bad. And then 10% are in the, the outfitter pool. And then the remaining 6% go to DIY non-residents. And a DIY non-resident is if you yourself just hopped on the Mexico Game and Fish website, you applied for your hunts, however you want to do them, and then you just waited on the draw. So no outfitter assistance, just you as a DIY hunter and applying for tags. So then the outfitter pool, you've, you've kind of got some options where – you can call us and say, hey, I want to apply with your outfit, like I was saying, and we give you an outfitter number, and you can apply yourself just because you know how to build your, your draw application and you want to structure it the way you want to structure it. Now, we'll give you input on what hunts we would prefer that you put in for just based on our schedules, the units we prefer, um, and then you can put in, or you can give us our information and we apply you for the, for the draw. So what, what that basically does is you say, hey, here's all my account information. Now can you apply me for the draw? And so we'll apply you, and basically you just hang back and wait until results come out. So if you use the outfitter number, um, you are legally obligated to be guided. Uh, so that's, that's another one, too. You, you can't use the outfitter number and apply for a hunt and then draw a tag and just be like, 
oh, cool, I drew a tag through the outfitter pool, um, but I don't need any help. I'm just going to hunt. That It doesn't work like that. So you're legally obligated to have a guide with you. Um, and, and that's kind of how that breaks down. Cole, you have any more input on that? Yeah, and I, I was going to say, and prior to all that, you have to actually have a legally signed contract uh, right. through, through the outfitter, just pretty much stating all that, just the legal issues, both against Game and & Fish and with us and, and the clients. So it, it, it kind of breaks down over all that, and there's portions where you can fill in all of your account info and everything if you want to either do everything on your own or you want us to, to actually apply you. Gotcha. So with uh, the – so the Barbary sheep for, for one, starting off with something unique, because uh, obviously yeah. we're in la-la land down where we're at um, when it comes to, to Barbary. When I say la-la land, a lot of sheep, right? A hundred and whatever thousand yeah. private acres, you know, land for, you know, a hundred and some thousand acres private land. And that's on the southern property. And, then, and you know, because Scotty and I kind of partnered up on that. Then we have a property up north. And I say we, obviously, Scotty's down there. I just go and promote it and tell people about it. Where you're going yeah. to get multiple opportunities um, in a day and not the same as what you guys are dealing with in New Mexico, where New Mexico, there's an OTC hunt and there's a uh, draw. Is that correct? Cause I've never messed with it. That's yep. from what I understand. It is much more difficult than like, again, the la la land, you see what we're doing, right? Pretty much everyone's successful, um, multiple shots, you know, opportunities it's, it's, and it's a difficult hunt physically. I mean, you're going to have to get after it, but you are going to be in front of a lot of animals with in New Mexico, much different as I understand it. Again, I'm I'm, I'm going to have you guys talk about that more. How difficult is that hunt um, to be successful on the OTC or whether, you know, obviously like it's not easy to go in if you've never even been, you know, if it's one of your first hunts, you're like, I'm going to go on an OTC Owdad hunt. Most people are going to be like, what the fuck is an Owdad, right? That just recently got popular too. If you draw the tag, right. like how difficult are those hunts? So, like, honestly, over-the-counter, it can be a pain in the ass. Honestly, when it first opened up, probably, oh, man, I want to say it was even, like, nine years ago is when they first became um, that unit over-the-counter. It was actually pretty good. I wouldn't say it was good as, like, Texas with the amount of sheep, but you could almost go to every canyon and find a group of at least, like, 40 to 50, and it's fallen off big time to where now you might spend two or three days down there, and you might see 40 or 50 sheep in total going through 10 different canyon systems. So the over-the-counter can be really tough. It's you're walking a ton. You're actually like really busting your ass just to even turn up sheep. And then when you do turn them up, more than likely you're finding ewes and lambs. So it's the over-the-counter can be pretty tough. But even our draw units have gotten to the point where it's not a slam dunk. Like you're not just going to draw a tag out there and shoot a 30-inch ram like everyone would like to. And it, it's it came the same way. We're just it's getting, almost getting overhunted in a way. We've jumped up tag numbers an insane amount and. You, it's really turned into a sheep hunt. You got to really kind of bust your ass and get in there and cover a bunch of miles. You usually spend a few days and you might turn up a really, really good ram, but just the numbers aren't the same. It's like night and day difference from Texas down here. I mean, it's, it's definitely not as a cakewalk. I would say it's definitely a pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. The OTC has always been kind of a, like a, a pain in the ass, like Cole saying, um, I think, what did it open called 2014 to OTC? Yeah, something yeah. like that. I want to say it was 2014 or 15. 
And for a few years, it was pretty good. Um, it was pretty good. It, it, and that, that hunt alone is kind of a dick grinder just because of the terrain. That's some real rough country in there. Um, the, the draw hunts are more, I mean, it's still really rough country in the draw hunts, but the OTC country is, I mean, you're talking, you're glassing from the desert floor at about 5,000 feet and you've got a straight vertical to about 7,200 feet of just cliffs. Um, so when you find the OTC sheep, it's a matter of, okay, can I actually even make it to them? If I shoot them, can I recover it? Uh, so Cole, Cole and I have never actually never drawn our own, uh, uh, Barberry tags in the draw units so him and i have pretty much been banished to otc hunting um and and we've done well but yeah like the draw units are definitely what you want and but he's right it's you know and again it kind of goes back to the a big topic i talk about a bunch is people get mad like oh they're mismanaging barberry and all that and all this stuff and i'm like well what what is the state's obligation to actually manage invasive species you know what i mean uh, non-native species like what what is what is the goal are they are they managing for sustainment are they managing for money um because i don't really know how you define mismanagement of a in you know non-native species uh so i i i like the boost of tag numbers because i like to hunt them um but it is playing a factor now and it's we you can see it over the last two years drastically of of kind of what that's doing to the population um so yeah that, that's kind of that's kind of well, what new mexico is with that one and i think it's like a tough stance to be on with like kind of the guiding and outfitting portion of it because if you're guiding guys on hunts you want to try and make them harvest like the best sheep they can you know like quality wise right. and stuff so then when you start jumping tag numbers you're like oh more hunting opportunity but you're also kind of like a double-edged sword where you're also losing quality a lot of the times because they give out some tags in like premier times like October when these sheep are rutting and they're just killing all like the age class practically out. So it's it's great for hunting opportunity, but I think eventually it's going to kind of catch up to them. So what do you guys charge for some of your, um, you know, some of the different options that you have for whether it be, you know, uh, draw uh, or, you know, somebody is successful, they want to go on a out down hunt how many days what do you charge per day is it by you know five day minimum what do you mule deer elk like what are some of those different price tags on that so um i just pulled up the price list right now that way i was gonna say you did you did it this last week so it might be easiest (laughs) if you touch on it yeah so it's we're we're trying to be the affordable option. And when I say affordable, I, I want the, the way Cole and I talked about it is, is I want you to get your money's worth, right? I don't want you to pay $6,500 for a deer hunt. And then the best deer we can put you on is a 140 inch deer. Like to me, that doesn't, I, I, I wouldn't pay that much money for that. Now, it, again, people will say, Oh, well, you can't control that. It's, you know, it's a wild animal. It's public land. You never know what you're truly going to put somebody on. And, there's there's a truth to that uh, in a sense, but we also know what we're capable of, and we know we know what we would want to pay for something. And when we get, we bring clients in, we want to make sure that the client leaves with a good taste in their mouth. We want to make sure when they go home, they say, "Hey, you know that was kind of an expensive hunt, but it was fair, and I got what I paid for. The quality matched what I paid for." Uh, so that's our that's our goal. So w- we are a little cheaper than some outfitters, um, and I'm sure we're more expensive than some outfitters. But our our mindset was, 
I, I want somebody to book a hunt and be satisfied when they walk away that they, they hunted with us and they worked with our business and they leave feeling like, Hey, I, I, that was fair and they treated me right. Um, so with that being said, deer, you know, when, when you do the guided only option, deer were about 5,000 bucks. Uh, and so the guided only is, you know, we take you out for five days and you have a guide. It might be me. It might be Cole. It might be one of our three really trusted guides that we have. Um, and, and you're paying about 5,000 bucks for a five day deer hunt. And it really breaks down to about a thousand dollars a day. And that part of that's paying the guide that's with you. So, um, and it's paying for any of the public service or public use permits, gas, you know, anything like that. It, so you're really making out again, we, we wanted to be fair. Uh, and then you, you'll go on a fully outfitted deer hunt. That's where we would, we would roll out the red carpet for you. Basically we, we would worry about the lodging. We would worry about food. You would literally just show up with your bow or your gun or your muzzleloader and say, Hey, I'm here to hunt. And, and we got you. Um, and that would be about 6,500 bucks on deer. Uh, so it's the same premise kind of going all the way through. Um, elk is 6,000 bucks for public land, fully gui- or, uh, guided only. And then 8,000 bucks for fully outfitted, uh, for a New Mexico elk hunt. I, I feel like that's super fair. Um, there's some prices are getting pretty crazy on that. And, and so I'll, I'll kind of say, we don't really mess with private land too much. We try and just do public, public land only the draw only. Um, it, it's not that we're against private land. It's just, we, we have better access to public. We feel like there's better animals on, on public that we hunt. Uh, and you know, the private land game is just tough. There's so many outfitters, you know, lobbying for all the private tags and dealing with ranchers. Our style of hunting is public land. And we kind of just decided that would be our style of, of outfitting and guiding is, is, you know, public land draw tags. Um, so like bighorn were about 9,500 bucks and that's a seven to 10, seven to 10 day hunt. And you know, that'll, depending on what options you pick, whether you want to go backpack only, or you want to do horseback. Um, so that one kind of varies there. Uh, bear, we do 4,500 bucks for spot and stock, uh, Ibex. The, so the seven day Ibex down in the Florida mountains, um, that's 6,500 for guided only and then 7,500 fully outfitted. And when I say fully outfitted with Ibex, that's, we set up a camp, we have a glassing team, um, additional spotters out there, just to everything we can do to make your hunt success. And when you leave, you know, you say, Hey, that was worth my money. And I had a really good time. And hopefully you go home with an Ibex. Hopefully you go home with any of these animals. Um, Oryx is another big popular one. A lot of people, you know, are really drawn to the Oryx and a lot of those hunts are structured kind of differently because they happen on active missile ranges, uh, like military ranges. So there's a lot of only two day options for Oryx. So even if you wanted to do more days, you can't because the, uh, the missile ranges only give you two days. And those are only 3,500 bucks. So if you draw an Oryx hunt on one of the ranges, it, it's, it's a pretty good deal. Uh, and then we do the off range Oryx hunts, which are anywhere off a military range, but it's a lot less quality and a lot less numbers. Um, we'll do five days on there for 5,000 bucks. So basically it's just kind of, the goal was value. Um, and not value as in cheap, but value as in, I want the customer to be satisfied with what they paid for. Gotcha. So yeah, just off the prices you read, um, those are fairly low in comparison. I think 
I've seen the New Mexico elk pushing um, 16,000 um, from some some different outfitters. Am I off on that, or is that? No, you you're correct. There's there's yeah. some that are that are up there. Yeah, I think we saw a, a twenty thousand dollar one this year. Yeah, and I, I was going to say that a lot of those ones that you do see promoted for that cost is usually the unit wide game that everyone's yeah. playing with with the private land tags that you're allowed to to hunt the public, a lot of those will go for even just unguided 16 to $20,000 some years. It just kind of varies on unit, what part of the state they have those tags in. Gotcha. So how, what all hunts did you guys do your first year uh, all across the board or? As, as far as this year, or I guess last year we did um, an elk hunt. We did a couple sheep hunts and then everything else is practically just our own personal hunts. Um, and then this year, uh, we have a handful of oryx. We have uh, also Barbary, and then everything else is just actually deer and elk this year. So we'll pretty we will be pretty dang busy all throughout September and October hunting elk. Yeah, we drew a lot of elk hunters this year. It's pretty cool. So and these are all these are all public hunts. So how are you making? So we're we're solely surviving on the, <laughs> the public draw. <laughs> How how are you guys making that happen on with your normal schedules of your normal day to day work life? Um, that logistically sounds like a nightmare to get the time off uh, ahead of time. Has that been a problem yet, or or are you guys able to work around that? It can definitely be a headache, um, especially with Ryan trying to like plan some stuff. You know, like because his, his schedule is never like in like a solid like a, where he knows every day that he's going to have off just because of just his job title, you know, but, uh, with me, luckily I work eight days on six days off. Um, so I can kind of play with my vacation to make a lot of hunts work. So if I take like eight days off of vacation, then I practically end up with 14 days off of work. So I can kind of play or actually not end up with, um, 20, 20 something days off of work just because of the way my schedule falls. So, it's pretty handy. I can burn kind of minimal vacation and actually take off a whole month of September or October if I need to. So that's been super handy with it. Yeah. Like, like Cole said, I'm still active duty. So playing that game uh, is difficult. And my schedule, I, I run a calendar, you know, all year long and I'm very, very intent on what I'm, you know, deliberate planning, um, deliberate decision-making when it comes to kind of spending my time wisely um, because I, I still, I still belong to the air force and I still have, that is my priority. Um, and, but it works and it, and it actually works pretty well. We get an X amount of days of leave a year and it's just a matter of balancing it correctly, prioritizing when to use it and then hitting the right kind of seasons. And then knowing my own hunting schedule and saying, Hey, you know, I want to make this, the outfit a success. So I'm going to scale back on some of my own personal hunts just to be able to allocate days to clients or to the outfit. Um, it, it it, it's difficult, but it's not impossible. Um, it, it's just, it's all about being deliberate in your planning and having good execution, not wasting time, um, not wasting days for things and just, you know, basically just being on your schedule and, and planning, you know, you can do a lot with proper planning. And of course the military yeah. taught me that. So. So with you had mentioned earlier, as far as having like people out glassing or scouting, um, I, do you have a few buddies that are helping you out with this that you can kind of trust or is that something you know, you may expand later or kind of what direction is that going? 
we have a few good friends that um that help us do a lot of scouting that are guiding for us um luckily that we all kind of live really close to each other and either with my schedule like i'm spending a lot of my days off like scouting all through the summer running cameras if i need to be and then they their schedules are usually a lot more flexible than mine just because they can kind of have every weekend off or they can come and go from their job so a lot of the times like if we're not or if i'm not out there then typically they're out there um scouting a lot of these units for us so it's it's definitely pretty dang handy yeah it, it really is nice and and most of the units we hunt we've all grown up in and these are units we've hunted since we were kids so you know as far as scouting areas that's been done over the course of our lifetime um but scouting specific animals so it kind of even makes it even easier because when we go into a unit well we've hunted this unit you know 20 times so it's hey we we know exactly where we're going we know what we're looking for now we just need to find the animals that we want and the animals we, we want to focus on uh so it, it's really not bad at all um and the guides we've used we're trying to stay in that that same mindset that we have with our guides um and, and it's working. We've got some really close friends that are just really good hunters. Uh, I've got my really good buddy, Justin, in Arizona. He's a game warden over in Arizona, and he knows western New Mexico really well. Uh, living in Arizona, western New Mexico is the closest thing to him. So, you know, he's a really avid elk hunter. He's really smart with elk. He knows those units. We've got Cole on the east side of the state who works in the east side of the state and runs the oil fields every day. So he understands where the animals are every point of the day in different, you know, his region of responsibility. Um, we've got, you know, some buddies up north who know that really well. Um, and then our basically our home unit in south central New Mexico, uh, we all know it really well. So it, it, it works out. And the, the, again, like I said, back to planning, it's, it's about planning, understanding our goal, understanding what we're trying to do and using the right people to execute that with us. So it, it sounds like a lot and it seems like it would be crazy, but it's, it's well thought out and it's deliberately planned. If that makes sense. Well, where, where can everybody uh, find you guys? Like we didn't, we didn't go over that in the beginning. Um, you know, I know you got an Instagram page. Do you have a website? If you want to daring enough to put your phone numbers out there, but like where can people get a hold of you? Yeah. So we have the Instagram. We're actually working on a website right now. It's not, done yet neither of us are web developers so uh we've got somebody kind of helping us with that just to make sure when we roll the website out it's exactly what we want um so right now it's instagram at blackhorn guide service and then facebook same thing blackhorn guide service and um we have our email as well uh at blackhorn guide service at gmail uh dot com cole i don't it, you're welcome to throw your number out there i can't throw mine out there but yeah, I'm pretty sure that my phone number might be tied to the outfit page. Um, I think it's on but, Google, too. Yeah, and it is on Google. We have, like, a business account set up through Google. It's not an actual website, but if you look us up, it'll have, like, where to reach us and everything. It has my phone number and then also uh, the business email. All right, so if someone sent dick pics, Ryan would not get him cold wood. Oh yeah. Okay. I get as all as you want. Yeah. <laughs> I get all the bullshit calls and like weird pictures, you know? <laughs> oh shit. Cool. If you're sending called dick pics, let me know. I'll pay you for to send him more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't give anyone any bad ideas, man. <laughs> oh shit. That's that's funny. Well, cool. Well, uh fellas, I appreciate you guys hopping on and uh, you know, obviously using our packs and everything else and I um I definitely have started this because I don't know shit about New Mexico. So everybody that asks me like, hey, what's a good unit? I'm like, I 
have no fucking idea. Like I drive <laughs> yeah. through it. That's yeah. about the extent of it. I've never really. Yeah. That's not true. I, I think long time ago, I won a archery tournament and I won a, uh, an elk hunt just, uh, just south of Raton Pass, just on the other side of the, the oh, nice. border Red River, I think is what it was called, Red River area. Um, and that was like 20 years ago. So that's the extent of my knowledge of New Mexico. Um, other than gas and Carlsbad or diesel is fucking expensive. Um, yeah. I, did, I made the mistake. Of I feel bad that you have to drive through Carlsbad. That place is just a shithole. So I, what was it? I go through, um, what's the uh, alien... Uh, Rock, 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 Rock. You, you drive right through where I live because I live in Artesia. So, oh yeah, yeah. So I do. I, I I've seen that sign or whatever, and then Carlsbad, and then I go through the uh, uh, whatever that state park is. The um, uh, Guadalupe, uh, the Guadalupe Mountains. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Go through that into Van Horn and then cut over. That's some sheep country right there, the Guadalupes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, we're like right, we're right across from the Guadalupe's. Right. Um, and what, some of our land is actually bordering um, the Guadalupe's on one side of the road, and the other is obviously the Davis. But um, right on that drive, it's smoking it. I can get it eighteen hours from where I'm at. So by the time I'm going through Ooh. your neck of the woods, I'm pretty much like zoned, just doing every like you're rolling the window Done. down, like yeah, trying to stay awake and not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're trying to run on caffeine or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New Mexico is still one of those states that's pretty much, you know, better left untouched still. So you driving all down that east side, there ain't a whole lot out there. No, it'll put you to sleep real quick if you're not if you're not careful. A lot of audio. Those roads aren't always the best either. No, there's some whoop de doos with the uh, flood uh, drainages, uh, like in the Guadalupe's. Once you hit the valley floor, that. You don't want to be doing 90 to 100 in there. That's for sure. You'll jump your super Baja for sure, because I have, um, you know, half a Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, cool, fellas. I'm going to hop off here. We got all kinds of stuff. We're releasing that bino harness soon, so we're trying to get some more content on it Oh, heck yeah. So, um, but yeah, I appreciate you guys hopping on. Everybody check check them out, especially, obviously, do not ask me. Ask these guys about New Mexico, because I'm going to be lying to you, because I don't know what I'm doing, so. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I really appreciate all the support, man. Kafaro's been awesome to us. Uh, everybody up there is awesome. And, again, like, uh, we we appreciate it. It's It's been a blast doing this, and it's cool to have people that trust you. Um, I'll throw a little a pitch out there for Tony, our buddy Tony. You, you know him, Tony Treach. He, he's kind of the one that pushed us to this, uh, talking business with him. And, and I, honestly, I would say we probably wouldn't be where we are right now without him because he, he – encouraged us to just jump in and go for our, our goals and our dreams with it. And that was, it was pretty awesome. So I, again, it, it's humbling the amount of support we have for uh, this and the people that have kind of pushed us along and Kafara has been a big part of that. So I really appreciate you um, and your company. Oh yeah, of course. We appreciate yeah, you absolutely. guys. Yeah. No, thanks. Cool. And Ryan, no, we appreciate you guys. And yeah, obviously anything you need, let me know. And then, uh, yeah, uh, that Tony is an awesome dude. Obviously he's a Kafaro guy as well and hell of a hunter. So yeah, that's, that's cool. But he um, is, yeah, we got a chance to hunt Ibex with him. And, and again, it was just, man, go, go for your goals. You guys are, you guys are good enough to do this. You know, he, he kind of just pushed us into, into that business mindset. And I, I, I will forever be grateful for his, his guidance and his mentorship. So Cool. Right. It, it was humbling. This year was humbling. Where we made it. 
No, that's cool. It's good to see it. I mean, obviously it's good to see good people succeeding. And, uh, that's, uh, with Tony, um, he leaves to go hunt for three months out of the year, living out of his truck. So he's (laughs) definitely living the the dream that he wants to. So he definitely gets after it, shoots big animals. Yeah. Heck yeah. Cool. All right. Well, you guys take it easy. We appreciate it. Thanks for everybody tuning in. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Yep. See ya.